Welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturges, Mississippi. It is our goal to take the Word of God to as many people as possible. We pray that you not only enjoy today's message, but more importantly, we hope and pray that it changes your heart and moves all of us to life change and action. God bless and enjoy. He, he begins a new job. So there's a lot of excitement, I'm sure, with that. But there's also a lot of nervousness. So, uh, so just pray for him this week and pray for them as they do things a little bit different. So uh, we are grateful to have y'all with us this morning. Many are watching from home. Some are watching here in person. And we're glad that you're here with us on this day. We've also had a number of folks who are filling in for people who can't be here. So two people I know of, Miss Lee Fulgham this morning, made all the wonderful coffee that we'll have that's very important for Sunday school class. And we wanted to thank Miss Martha for filling in and playing piano this morning. And there's a number of folks that I'm sure you're filling in and helping teach and things like that from, from those who may be out or sick or simply cannot make it this morning. Well, this morning we're going to kind of continue in what we're talking about and what the theme of today is, is love. Love one another. And the primary audience that, that's being talked to this morning are disciples. Now in this passage, disciples are, in, in that sense, defined as those who follow Jesus. Followers of Jesus. So that means for you and I, as we follow Jesus, we are disciples too, right? We follow Jesus because we understand what this all means. So, in this, you're going to see a command. What's the difference in a command and a suggestion? See, a suggestion is something like you might read that says, you might want to do these things to be more healthy. You might want to do these things to advance at your job. You might want to do these things. Now, there's a difference. There's a difference maybe when you're with a job and your employer says, you're going to do this. There's more of a direct, forceful way behind that. Commands are in that same way used. So a command as defined is this. It's, it's cause to do. It's to charge something or someone to do something. It also means biblically an authoritative direction or instruction to do something through speech or writing. So authority. It governs and guides all the things that come after it, right? So if he says to love one another, then you and I are to love one another, right? We're to love one another. And that doesn't mean conditionally, right? Brother Trevor, that means we just love people, right? We love on folks. Regardless of whether or not we discern they deserve it or, or what they've done or how things have led them to this point, we love because we have been loved. And so... What challenges us in the New Testament is the fact that he says, love one another like I've loved you. But he also says, love your enemies, right? Now, how hard is it for you to love somebody you don't like? Anybody find that hard to love somebody you don't like? It's kind of hard to love somebody you don't like. But the word of God says it's not about liking people. It's about loving people. And the New Testament lends us in this way, a new commandment is to love one another. So he's making a discernible new path that includes all people's salvation and differs from the self-righteous leadership that is the norm of that time period. And if I understand it right now, 
and understand the world we live in right now, as up and down as things are, you and I need a new command today too, right? So the Word of God is still applicable, amen? It's still able to be used in our daily lives. And it means for you and I today, it serves as a reminder of what we ought to be about. We see in John chapter 15, in verse 12, it says, This is my command, that you love one another just as I have loved you. So how do we do this? If you and I are believers in Christ, we understand that we are loved, that we've been forgiven, that we've been given purpose, that we've been given a a command and a commission to go Therefore, We understand a lot of things because we understand the love of God in our lives. We didn't know what love is until we understand the love of Jesus Christ, right? So a lot of times when we were growing up, we might have looked at somebody and said, I love you. It might have written them a note, passed it across the desk, or gave it to a friend to say, I love you. But that's not the same kind of love that's here. This great love... We love because He first loved us. And so, followers of Jesus, disciples are meant to love other people. Period. We are meant to love others because we understand that Jesus Himself was born into a world because of God's love. He was born into this world to die for you and I in our place so that we might understand what love is. But greater love even still, He went into that grave and He arose from that grave. So He defeated death and sin and all those things so that you and I could be introduced to His Father, right? So that you and I could have that connection point. And for me, there's no greater love in this sense. So we today need to redefine this word love. The love of the Bible is unchanging. The love of the Bible is unshakable. Verse 13 says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Greater love. Now you and I might discern love in multiple different ways, but this is biblical love. No greater love than Jesus Christ. Amen. So in our life, that is the example that we hold on to. He is the example that we pattern after in our lives. No greater love than that one who lays down his life for his friends. So how many friends do you have this morning? If I were to ask you how many friends, could you say, well, I've got one good friend, two good friends, three good friends, four good friends. You might have a room full of friends. But how many of us have good friends? What makes them a close and a good friend? What makes them a close and good friend? You can trust them, right? You can come to them. You know that they're there to listen and help you. You know what makes a good friend is that they care more about you than they care about themselves. What makes a good friend? When this passage, let's consider what we have is a friend in Jesus. We have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is always with us wherever we go and whatever we're going through. He's with us in our good times and the bad times. He's there with us when we face sickness and health. He's there with us when we deal with life's hardest moments. And He tells us here, He says in verse 14, You are my friends if you do what I command you. You're my friends if you follow the commands of the Bible. You're my friends 
If you follow my way, you're my friends. If you seek the will of the Father, you're my friends when you decide to love other people. You're my friends when you tell somebody about Jesus. You're my friends when you do as I've patterned, is what Jesus is saying here. He says you demonstrate that by living in the same way that I have lived. And you're no longer slaves because of the Father. What is he talking about there? No longer slaves. Here's the deal. For us, when we sin, it separates us from an almighty God. We become enslaved to sin and our debt, our payment for that sin is what? Death, right? Death. And, and we understand that our just due is to be in hell forever. But Jesus made that way where there was no way. Jesus demonstrated his love for us. Jesus paid a price that no one else could pay. So we are no longer slaves because of the Father's plan. It says in verse 15, it says, No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. Jesus held nothing back. You and I might say, well, that's the friend that maybe we would call a blabbermouth, right? The friend that if we tell them something, they're going to tell everything. Well, see, thankfully, God told Jesus all the things that you and I needed to know. And Jesus said, because I've spent time in prayer, I want to tell you about it. I'm going to tell you about the things that the Father has told me. In other words, the most loving thing that you and I can do as disciples is to tell somebody of the love of Jesus Christ, right? One of the most loving things we can do is pray for our neighbor, right? One of the most loving things that you and I can choose to do is to even love our enemies. Oh, I was with you till you said loving the enemies. I was with you till you said loving those people that wronged me. I was with you till you told me to love those who I don't agree with. I was with you till you told me to love those who I don't even like to be around. I was with you till... See, the reality behind it is, for you and I, God has forgiven the most inexcusable thing in our lives. So you and I can forgive that within other people as well. We can love other people because He has loved us. And what I love about this passage here is this. He chose us. Think about that. The Lord above chose you and I as worthy of His sacrifice. He chose us when we were at our most helpless estate. He chose us when we were so sin-saturated that we could not be clean to come into the Father. He chose us and still chooses us. And He gives us a plan and a purpose in this life. A plan and a purpose. Isn't that what most people are looking for in this world? A plan and a purpose? They're looking to know, yes, somebody loves them, but also they need to know that some plan and some purpose has to be wrapped up in this life. Years ago, Purpose Driven Life came out. And why was it successful? It was successful because it had people evaluate why they are here. I think the question was, what on earth am I doing here? 
But he really had him, had you and I ask the question that we should have asked a long time ago. And most people just said, that's unbelievable. I've never heard of this. But what he did was frame in that book the same question that scriptures asked for so many years. The Lord has given us a purpose, a plan, but he chose us first. 15 verse 16 and 17 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of my father in my name, he may give you. Verse 17, this is this I command you that you love one another. Now, in my translation, I read the New American Standard Version and I've looked very hard in my pages and I've looked very deep in my pages and I find no letters in the bottom that say, but if you do this, then I won't. Or if you do this, then you know, you're not to love other people. I've, I found nothing in the gaps or nothing at the bottom that say anything contrary to what's said there. And I think it leaves it for us to be able to explain the love of God in a broad and a wide way. Meaning that He loves all of us in so many different ways and meets us right where we are. This is my command, to love other people because you have been loved by me. So how are you and I leading in love in our relationships? Do you understand what I mean? Are we choosing to love people first rather than to engage in all other things. Because if you love somebody and they know that you love them, they're going to listen to you, right? They're going to receive whatever you're trying to care and take care of them and do. Loving them. So if this morning I were to take a poll of your friends and your family, your coworkers, those closest or next to you, what would they say about the way that you and I love? What would they say about that? What would their response be? See, for you and I, we love because we've been loved, right? We forgive others because He's forgiven us. We take care of others and tell them the good news because someone took time to pray for me and you and someone took time to tell us of the good news of Jesus Christ. How many of you heard the gospel about a hundred times before you actually accepted Jesus? Maybe it was just me, but I heard it through the ladies of VBS that brought me the cookies and the juice. I heard it through the Sunday school teachers. I heard it through the preachers growing up. I heard it through parents and grandparents. I heard it through friends and family. I heard it through many different other ways. But it wasn't until I heard it for the first time in my mind and it clicked and it spoke to my heart. And at that point, I could not turn away from it. I knew on that day that Jesus loved me and died for me. And even if I was the only one whom He died for, He still would have died for me because His love is that big. And no matter what I have done, He will forgive me if I come to Him. Now my story led me to this giant stadium as I was sitting there as a child. And I remember being young, and you know you had to ask adults to do everything, right? So I, have, I remember asking our adult leader, which was the pastor's wife, I said, can I go down and accept Jesus Christ? She said, sure. So I walked down these big concrete steps. 
And I walk out to the grassy area of this field. And I go down and this, this young lady met me. And we sat down on the ground crisscross applesauce, right? Anybody know what crisscross applesauce is? Okay, some of you are following me. All right, so I sat down just like that. She sat down in the dew and the grass and it was, you know, as it was. And she explained to me something I had heard a thousand times old over. But on that day, it hit me. On that day, it spoke to me. On that day, everything that everybody had prayed for and all the words of wisdom and all the scripture and all the people who had spoken to me, it was if I heard it for the first time. And maybe I did hear it for the first time. Sometimes we tell people stuff over and over again and then what happens? They don't always listen, right? But when they get it, it changes you. When you and I get it, it changes you. It changed me on that day. Because of Christ and because of what he's done. So it's because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that we can do anything. See, you and I look at other people in this sense of this passage and we say, well, they've done something unforgivable, inexcusable. But if we look at our own lives, we've done things unforgivable and inexcusable, haven't we? And yet we've been forgiven of the same. Anything that stands between us and a righteous God is sin. And it separates us from his plan for you and me. John 15, 12 tells us, this is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. So how do you love other people? You know Jesus' love. And you follow with that. Now, there was a man named Dr. J. Wilbur Chapman. He was an evangelist of old, and he said that the New Testament records, records tell of 40 people, each suffering from the same disease, who were healed by Jesus. Of this number, 34 were either brought to Jesus by friends, or he was taken to them. In only six cases out of 40 did the sufferers find the way to Jesus without assistance. Of the number of people who find their way to Jesus today, most of them reach Him because of friends who are concerned about the welfare of their souls. So many of our friends will find out who Jesus is by you and I bringing them to Him. By you and I demonstrating prayer when we don't know what to say. By us loving them in such a way that they want to know why you do what you do. And if you've ever loved and loved well, folks begin to ask you that question, right? They begin to say, why do you do those things? Why do you help people? Why do you show up and pray with people? Why do you do the things you do? And you can tell them the same thing. Because God in heaven loved me enough to send Jesus to live and demonstrate how to live, to die and demonstrate how to die, but to rise from that grave. And so I can do the things that He has called me to do. Additionally, there's, there's something we have to understand too. That when you and I are set free by Jesus, we are set free. Right? When we are free, we are truly free indeed. There's no partial salvation. There's no way you can lose your salvation once you're a child of God. John eight thirty six says, 
So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. How many of you understand what that's like? Somebody once explained it to me like this. It's almost like being chained down by our sin. And at the very time that we are set free, those chains fall to the wayside. No longer are we chained by sin, held by sin. No longer is that debt ours. But we have been made clean. We have made born again. We have been made new in Him. So if He sets us free, then we are free indeed. So as simple as we are at moments, we are reminded in verses 16 and 17 that He chose us and has a plan for us. So we love others because He first loved us. One of the words that comes to mind if we want to describe this is amazing, right? Amazing grace. How many of you grew up singing that song? Can anybody sing it in their sleep? Probably, right? We know that song, but what it speaks about is deeper than what it says, right? What it speaks about takes us a little bit deeper when we understand the love that comes from and in that entirety of that passage of that song. So this morning, my invitation is very clear. I want you to come this morning and choose to live according to the love of Jesus. Now, as a show of our commitment and devotion to this plan, I'm going to invite you to come this morning. And I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and talk to God about all that you were entrusting Him to do in your life. And essentially what I'm saying is you're coming to the altar saying, God, give us your eyes that we might see, that we might believe and understand, O Lord. And if you're here this morning and you're feeling the weight of sin, Jesus makes us free. Now I want you to understand the weight of sin. The weight of sin is death, but the free gift of Jesus is eternal life. So if you've carried a weight that doesn't allow for you to take that deep breath and to live that abundant life that He has called you to live, then maybe there are some things that you need to get right this morning. And I invite you to come and accept Him as Lord and Savior wholeheartedly. Meaning, you've realized that there's nothing there's nothing in this life that is worth following that's going to fill you like an almighty God who loves you that much. Won't you come this morning? Maybe you're here today and you are burdened for your friends, for your family that don't know Jesus. The one thing I will let you in on this morning is this. You and I cannot save a single person. Only the almighty God. Jesus can do that. Only the power of the Holy Spirit in us can save somebody. You and I can't. We're meant to just go and tell the good news and pray for folks and love for folks on folks and bring them a hot meal when they need it and show up and do the things that God has called us to do, even the hard things. This burden is not meant for us. We are to be faithful to the good news of Jesus. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that saves so I'm going to ask you this morning, if you've got someone that's on your heart that maybe has not responded yet to the gospel or someone you just met and you don't know if they're a Christian or not, then I invite you to come down and pray for them today. 
I invite you to bring them to the altar. And I invite you to trust in the Lord. Taking their name to the Lord that He will do His best. And so we pledge to the Lord to tell the good news at all times and demonstrate that good news by living righteously. C.S. Lewis in The Problem of Pain described it this way. Because there's so many people that I know right now, particularly that are suffering right now. He explained in this way, he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. In his megaphone, to, the, to rouse a deaf world. It is his megaphone. So the problem of pain. We all go through pain. But you and I know that this is momentary if we're children of God. So I advise you to come this morning. But also if you've been here for a while and you want to be part of friendship, I invite you to come. Maybe there's something else on your heart and mind this morning that you want to bring to the Lord. I believe His amazing grace can cover a multitude of sin. Amen? He can do what no person can. So maybe you need to respond this morning by coming. By giving your life to Him and allowing for Him to transform your heart and mind. See, I never knew love until I knew Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to know Jesus too. So I invite you to stand with me as I pray. And as we come this morning, Father God, we come and we are here this morning just to glorify you. Father God, we've sang and sang and sang about our victory that we have in you because we realize that we can't do a thing on our own. But you make a way where there is no way. You make the impossible possible because God, our debt that we're due is death and separation from you. But through Jesus Christ, you made a way that we can live redeemed and loved and cared for even today. So God, I pray in these next few moments that you call us out of our sin and our slumber and you call us to make the change that we need to make, to pray for our friends and family, to love like none other. On this day, God, we just pray that you move in our hearts and minds. It's in your mighty name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. Your time is your most valuable commodity, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share some of it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page. Both links can be found in the show notes below. Although we would greatly appreciate you leaving this podcast a rating or review, We would be eternally grateful if you would be willing to share it with someone else. We pray you have a God-filled day. And please remember, love God, love people, and reach the world.